Welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church Cardiff. We are a church that is learning to live like Jesus for the restoration of our city and the renewal of our nation. During the coronavirus outbreak, we have both online and in-person gatherings across all of our sites in and around Cardiff. So wherever you feel comfortable at the moment, you can engage with church. You can find all of the details you'll need on our website, vineyardcardiff.org Sundays. Here's this week's talk from our senior pastor, James Rankin. Hi, great to be with you today. My name's James. If I haven't met you before, we are continuing in our series, Live Like Jesus, today. And the basic idea, if you haven't been around over the last few weeks, is that discipleship is ultimately about learning to live like Jesus. And 1 John 2 verse 6 says, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Last week, I looked at being with Jesus, be with Jesus. And I spoke from John 15 about this idea of abiding, remaining in the vine, in him, live in him. And we started something called Start the Day. As a church, we're just wanting to encourage the whole community to start the day with Jesus. We just think that there is such benefit taking, whether it's 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour in the morning to just start our day with him. And that out of that, begins to flow our apprenticeship to him, that we begin to learn to spend time with him, and that ultimately we learn to do what he does. So it's be with Jesus, do what Jesus did. And so that's what I want to look at today. I want to start with a little story from John Wimber, who started the Vineyard Movement, which is a couple of thousand churches all around the world now. But he had an amazing story of coming to faith, like a desert, literally a desert experience. He drove to the desert in a dark place and encountered the Lord. The Lord broke into his life, but didn't, he had no Christian background, managed to find a Bible, found himself um, studying the scriptures, going to church. But one day he turned round at the end of the service and he went up to the pastor he was quite new to it all and he said so when do we do the stuff and the stuff said the pastor what what's the stuff you can imagine you can just picture it can't you you know John's replied the stuff in the bible like healing the sick casting out demons the stuff oh replied the pastor well we don't do the stuff we believe that Jesus did the stuff 2,000 years ago but we don't do it today and with a rather confused look on his face John said, and I gave up drugs for this. Just that moment, what John brought to the church is doing the stuff, is to do what Jesus did. This is in the DNA of the vineyard movement. I remember coming into the vineyard when I was about 17, so I'd been brought up in a Baptist church, which would be very much like this pastor. It was like, well, you know, Jesus was amazing. Jesus did this stuff, but we don't do the stuff that Jesus did. You know, this is... This is in the scriptures, but I don't actually do it. And so when I was 17, started going along to the vineyard. And when I was 18, actually went up to Edinburgh for, for a conference where we started praying for people, going out on the streets, speaking to people about Jesus. And I just remember how it turned my world upside down. Like my faith came alive. It's like we actually get to do it out on the streets, feeding the poor. And that's such a huge part of who we are as a movement. So I want you to grab your Bibles. I'm grateful to John Mark Comer for some of his thinking on this. And we're going to be in Matthew's Gospel today. Last week it was all about John. 
Today it's all about Matthew and I've got a number of passages that I just want us to talk through, starting in Matthew 4 verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me. Again, throughout this invitation, come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people or I will make you fishers of men. Now, this just wasn't just a little, you, you know, um, trite phrase, you know, I'll make you fishers of men. Actually, at the time, it meant something deeper. It's like, I will teach you how to teach other people that you will become great teachers because of me. And then going on in verse 21, it says, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, some of Zebedee and his brother John, they were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. That's what we're called to do today, healing every disease and sickness among the people. We're called to pray for the sick. And news about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who are ill with various diseases. Those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralysed. And he healed them and large crowds from the Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. And then what happens is we move from Matthew 4 into Matthew 5 and 6, which are known as the Sermon on the Mount, which are really Jesus's most complete teachings on what it means to live a kingdom life, what it means to live in, to be a disciple in the kingdom of God. And Jesus teaches things like loving your enemies, you know, the Lord's Prayer, being salt and light. And I don't have time to reach and teach through the whole of it. But there's a couple of things that I just think are so important to note. There's two verses that I want to draw your attention to. And they're really right at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount and right at the end as well. That bookend this whole section. So Matthew 5 verse 17. Do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfil them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But and this is the key bit. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So that's the beginning. And then the end. Seven verse twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I would tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. And then it's the next line, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And then it goes on to talk about these foundations. Do you see the similarity in what Jesus says in both of these sections that I've just read? At the beginning and then at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus emphasises the importance of not just hearing his words and his teaching, but actually about putting it into practice. Put, it, put his teaching into practice. If we're serious about learning to live like Jesus, then it's not enough just to be with Jesus. Yes, we get to be with Jesus. Yes, we get to abide in his presence. But out of that place, we can't but do what Jesus did. 
And this brings me back to this analogy of apprenticeship that's been running through this whole series. How when we talk about discipleship to Jesus, what we're basically talking about is apprenticeship, a student learning from a teacher. But I want you to think about apprenticeship for a moment. One of my friends has recently just retrained as an electrician. And so last week he came round and started doing our electrics for us. Now, his goal as an apprentice electrician isn't just to spend time with their teacher, the fully trained expert, because he's still learning how to do it. And also the goal isn't to acquire knowledge about how to do the wiring, although that's obviously going to help. The end goal for the apprentice is to become a competent, fully trained, fully qualified electrician who can do all the things that an electrician does. It's not just about acquiring knowledge, it's about putting that knowledge into practice. It's about growing up before we grow old. It's the same with a doctor. I know lots about doctors, I'm married to one, I lived with six after I finished university. So watching them during, you know, the five, five years of medical school, where they begin to get a bit more and a bit more and a bit more. And then basically they just keep training. So suddenly another seven years, you know, it's a long time to, to become a doctor. And then Stu, who's in our church, was just telling me recently that he's just become a GP trainer. So not only has he been through that whole process, learned to be a doctor, and now he's training others. Same with discipleship to Jesus. Jesus said to Peter and Andrew, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He was saying to them, I'm a teacher of how to live life to the full. Come and follow me and I'll make you great teachers as well. I will teach you how to do the things that I do. And we see this as we read on through the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 10, Jesus gives his disciples authority. He called his 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel as you go. Proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have reprocy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. And then we see the same pattern right at the end of Matthew's gospel. In a passage you'll be really familiar with, Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority, it's that word again, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to do everything I have commanded you to do. Go in my name, go in my authority. I'm sending you out to make disciples of all nations. Don't just sit there. It's not just for you. It's for the whole world. And Jesus is saying, it's not your authority. Don't worry about your authority. You stand in my authority as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You've moved from darkness into light and we've been given this authority. And the pattern of discipleship that Jesus uses is the model of apprenticeship. Jesus calls his disciples to be with him, to imitate him. He teaches them. He models to them how he expects them to live. And then he gives them authority to go and do what he's been doing and sends them out to go and do it. It's the model of apprenticeship. We see this pattern in Matthew 10, Matthew 28, throughout the Gospels. And it's like the four stages of apprenticeship, which would be taught in much leadership training. This isn't just to the Gospels. This is just out there in life. First step, I do, you watch. Secondly, I do, you help. You do, 
I help, you do I watch. So if you think about this, think of, in terms of if I was training somebody to learn to pray, for instance, first time, this was pre-COVID when we could lay on hands, get somebody to come with me and I'll pray and I'll just be like, you watch, just see what I do. And then the second time it'll be, okay, why don't you come along and you just begin to get involved. You start to pray and stuff. Third time, you lead the session, you know, and I'm in the background and I might add a little bit. Fourthly, you do and I'll, I'll watch. That's how we train people. So just like the example of the apprentice electrician or doctor, the end goal of apprenticeship is to become a competent expert in the field that you're learning. Therefore, if you're an apprentice of Jesus, your end goal is to grow and mature into the kind of person who can carry on the work of Jesus, who can carry the kingdom into whatever situation that they go into, proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom. How did Jesus do this? There's a number of different things through telling people the good news that we that we have to be really clear about what that is and how we tell other people about it through healing the sick and casting out demons. That when people are sick, it's like we pray for you, casting out demons. It, you know, I've done that many times in my life that it's just like, actually, Jesus, would you release this person from this situation right now? And in your name, in your authority, we just cast out. Anything that's not of you, be gone in the name of Jesus. He did it through compassion and standing up to injustice. He did it through radical hospitality, eating and drinking in community, welcoming all people towards him, not just some people. Everybody can come. He did it through making disciples. So if you're an apprentice of Jesus, your end goal is to be able to do these things. Now, the danger is that for some of you, this is kind of where you get off. You're like, do you know what? I love the be with Jesus stuff, just me and Jesus. Wow, the things that you're talking about, how do, how do we go and do that? You know, Jesus was amazing. He was God. Of course he could do these things. But for me, well, it's just impossible just to disqualify ourselves. But we've got to remind ourselves that everything Jesus did, he did as a real, true human being empowered by the Holy Spirit as an example for his apprentices to follow. He gives us his disciples authority to be sent in his name. Now, I want some of you to cast your minds back to the 90s. Others of you like, I wasn't even born in the 90s. OK, well, there was something called we used to have these little bracelets. What would Jesus do? Bracelets. WWJD. I never actually had one, but some of you might still have yours. It was helpful at the time. It was a big craze. You know how you go through these moments. But I do think it can be a little bit misleading because when we stop and really think about it, Jesus was a first century Jewish male rabbi. And most of us don't fall into that category anymore. In fact, I'm pretty sure that none of us do. So if you're going to go about your life and make wise decisions and embrace the lifestyle of a disciple and you ask the question, well, what would Jesus do? It's not necessarily a helpful question, but I think an even better question that is similar but slightly different is what would Jesus do if he were me? What would Jesus do if he were me? So if he had my gender, if he had my age or stage of life, he had, if he had my ethnicity, if he had my job, my experiences, my upbringing, where I live, if he lived where I live, what would Jesus do if he were me? I think it's a far more interesting question as we try to learn to live like Jesus. 
I said the two goals of discipleship are to be with Jesus and do what he did. And as a result, we learn to live like him, becoming like him. But I want to say this. It's not a two stage model to becoming like Jesus. You don't just be with Jesus and then do the second one and then I am done. It's not like that. It doesn't work like that. Ultimately, it's about progression. It's about transformation. For many of us, the starting point is simply learning to be in the vine, to be with Jesus. And many of us have not really learned to do that very well out of that place of empowerment. But actually, I think it's about learning to hold both of these together, be with Jesus and do what he did. And, and the image that Jesus has just given me is that of like two pedals on a bike. You don't just push one and then, and then the other and then stop. It's actually like this. The two go hand in hand. You can't just be with Jesus and not do the things that he asks us to do. And you can't just do what he did without being with him because actually you begin to dry up and you begin to get bitter. Left foot, right foot, left foot. And as you do, you begin to progress and you begin to move forwards. But the analogy gets even better because after the service last week, I met a new lady who was just talking about, you know, I'd spoken about the Holy Spirit and empowering the Holy Spirit. And she said, oh, I've got a great little example for you because I've, I've got an electric bike, which she showed me. And she's like, you know what, I've really struggled just to cycle a normal bike without an electric kind of engine on it as well. And I was like, oh, okay. So she said, the amazing thing is the bike kind of starts and then I partner with it. And so this is really the image. It's like this electric bike. That's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that we partner with the Holy Spirit, that we spend time with him and we begin to do. And then that's the process of discipleship. And that's a picture that I'd love you to hold on to as we go through this series. Now, next week, we're going to make a little bit of a gear change. And Alice is going to be sharing and she's going to shift our thinking from what it looks like to follow Jesus to start to help us think about the process of transformation. How is it that we actually change? How do we grow? Because who we become is just as important as what we do. Yes, our goal is to be with Jesus and do what Jesus did. But ultimately, it's to become like Jesus, to have our whole lives transformed so that we begin to live like him. So that's where we're headed next week and we'll shift for the remainder of the series. The last thing that I want to say is that if we're going to do this well, I think that it's important that we've got to learn to live in the moment. The thing about learning to do what Jesus did is that you can't always schedule these things in. Yes, we can have practices. Yes, we can have rhythms. But sometimes situations just occur in our life that they're, they're, they're right there in front of us a lot of the time. So telling somebody about Jesus, well, it's not like schedule it into my diary, 8 a.m. 8, 8 on a Thursday, I'm going to be doing this. It's like the opportunity arises when the opportunity arises or you're praying for somebody who's sick. The likeliness is that divine moments, encounters, opportunities will just present themselves when sometimes it's least expected, any time of any day. And I think that there's two characteristics that we need to have in mind if we're going to be responsive to these moments. The first is to be interruptible and the second is to be available. We see throughout his life that Jesus was interruptible. He had this uncanny ability to see the right people just where they were. And we've got to learn to pay attention to see what Jesus is doing. 
to to doing the stuff as the vineyard John Wimber would talk about. And can we recognise these opportunities? I just believe they're there throughout every moment of every day. But they're much, much more likely to happen if we come out of a place of having been with the Lord. That sensitivity to what Jesus is doing. Then suddenly, somebody's in front of us, it's like, oh, I've got to do something. I've got, I've got to pray. I don't know about you. you know, a, couple of, a couple of days ago, for instance, spent some time with Jesus. And then he just nudged me and we saw he's like, you've got to text that person. I've got this for them. It's like a little word of encouragement. And in a moment where it's really difficult to physically see people, it's like, oh, how does that all of that have that work? The Lord will still nudge us and be like, I want you to speak and then part this into that this person's life. So I think there's a real challenge to be, be able to step into these opportunities. So it is to be interruptible throughout the day and it's also to be available. Because it's one thing to see a, a moment. It's one thing for the Lord to, Lord to nudge you. It's another thing to step into it, to be like, actually, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to respond to your invitation. I'm going to stand out in faith and in confidence. And I'm actually going to pray for that person. Because the Lord's being like, oh, why don't you just offer to pray for them right now? It's like, okay, I'm going to go for it. A beautiful prayer for us all as we start the day with Jesus is just to say to God, help me slow down today. Help me live in the moment. Help me to have eyes to see what you're doing and give me the confidence to join in. In other words, don't let it pass me by. So as we continue to try and build up this rhythm of starting the day with Jesus, I'd love you to encourage you to start with that simple prayer. So in finishing, I started by talking about doing the stuff to do what Jesus would do. And that's our invitation. Let's not just talk about it. Let's not be people that get fat and just sit there and it's like, oh, it's just, it's all about me. It's like, actually, this kingdom call is for the sake of others. It's about his kingdom. It's about his kingdom coming to earth and we get to partner like that image of the electric bike he's empowering us and we just get to join in with what he's doing and do you know what it's the most awesome thing it completely revolutionizes your faith it's not the same when you're sitting there going god what do you want me to do today help me to listen to what you're doing let me see what you're doing it changes our faith so i want to pray in finishing jesus i thank you that our faith is alive that you've got work for us to do Lord, would you give us the confidence to step into all that you've got for us? But we don't want to shrink back. We want to be people who say yes to the opportunities that you present, to those divine moments, to being interruptible, to being available. In Jesus' name, amen.